Welcome back to ADAPEC Energy Dialogues, a series of conversations we're bringing you in the run-up to ADAPEC 2020, taking place this November in a virtual format. ADAPEC Energy Dialogues are in, uh, interviews with uh, industry analysts, uh, consultants, and industry participants on the leading issues of the day. And uh, this episode will have a, a focus on digital innovation with the uh, uh, emphasis on the services industry. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by David Yeager, who is an oil industry executive in the services sector. Also, he's an author of a book about the uh, oil industry. And uh, last but not least, an ongoing oil industry writer. And David, welcome to Adapec Energy Dialogues today. Oh, thank you very much, glad to be here. Now let's begin with uh, your assessment of the readiness of the services industry to embrace digital innovation. How do you see the sector today? Uh, having been in it for many decades, I'd say it's tearing right along. I think probably the biggest change in my career, which spans for over four decades, was probably the latest crop of, uh, of young workers, executives and participants and managers that grew up with a handful. That was probably the biggest switch. I think that actually technology or the adoption of digital communications and technology at one point had outpaced adoption rate uh, because the a lot of the people in the senior positions hadn't grown up with it. Uh, but that's all gone now. And particularly with this downturn, the, a lot of the older, more senior guys, if they haven't figured it out, they're not working here. And <laughs> there's been a general uh, <clears throat> downward pressure on the age group because the older guys paid more so there's uh, there's a great uh, great acceptance and application of technology. Actually, now that I'm I'm back uh, mixing it up with the clients again, I'm just stunned at the the number of people don't even want to talk on the phone anymore. There's just nothing that can't be done by text, Zoom, or email. <laughs> just phoning somebody seems to, where I started just seems to be out of it anymore. Everybody wants a documented record. So I would say I would say we're late to the party compared to other industries, but right as the adoption rate is as fast as it can be and whatever people can afford. Now, what's uh, driving that adoption uh, these days, do you see? Is it economic pressures such as improvements and uh, are related to cost? Is it, is it the drive to improve asset utilization? Is it environmental sustainability drives? Is it, is it the pandemic? Oh, uh, well, this predates the pandemic. I mean, you know, it seems like eternity, but it's actually only seven, seven months old. Uh, but really the reliability and cost would be the number one factor. What I think when, you, when I think of the oil patch, I also think of the feel. So this, it's been coming up at multiple levels. First of all, communications, increasing of the cellular network, uh, satellite uplinks, you know, ways of talking to town. Uh, the idea that uh, you could uh, hook up a computer at the rig or the well site operation. Satellite uplinks were expensive, that's coming down. Cellular networks were terrible if they existed at all, that's coming down. So there's been a multi-pronged uh, uh, access. Uh, you know, it's one thing in the city where you've got uh, high optic or fiber optic or, or cable fast internet in the town, but the real secret was for the, for the remote communications. So I would say that the speed at which uh, in a data transmission from remote locations has improved. The technology has not been far behind. So everybody's just thrilled to be able to, to talk uh, computer to computer, access the internet from everywhere. So it has really been, I would say the infrastructure was probably once the, once the people in the business who'd grown up with the technology were ready, 
it was the infrastructure and the infrastructure continues to move by leaps, leaps and bounds. So all I can say is for someone who's been in it all their lives, I'm, I'm just stunned what you can do from the wellhead anymore. It's just fantastic. And in terms of the, um, the nature of services that you see, uh, would you characterize some of those services as being further advanced than others, or uh, has the industry been moving in a, in a nice symmetry um, at the same pace? The, it really doesn't matter where you are. You know, in the trucking, you wouldn't think of the trucking business as particularly high tech, uh, but, but trucking maintenance is all digitized, GPS for field locations. I don't think there's really been anyone that's been left behind. It really, it's the application that, that really drives the rate of adoption. Some, 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 some equipment is pretty simple. You know, I mean, just round pieces of steel don't really lend themselves to digitization of every, anything, you know, maybe a barcode on them for inventory control. Uh, but anything that moves has got a digitized maintenance program, probably GPS attached to it, certainly trucking communications. And of course, as you get out to the field and the application becomes more com complex, uh, the more things that are digitized. For example, I was uh, in our, uh, we were looking at four sets of uh, logs this morning simultaneously. We were working on a well where we had an open hole log. We had a, we had a bond log. We had a casing corrosion log and we had a chat tool or a gas identification log. And so we had a conference call this morning and the digital versions of all these logs are on the screen. Uh, it used to be you had to get out the library and a table 20 feet long, stretch all the logs out, tape them to the wall. Now you can chop out a segment of the logs. It's uh, absolutely astonishing. So this is all electronically gathered data from one, two, three, or 4,000 meters underground. And we can put it on a communal computer screen in a, in a heartbeat now. It's, uh, okay, this phenomenal stuff. It's stuff you couldn't have done. That has got to be an absolutely massive productivity enhancement. I mean, that just that just being able to do look at that much information in a group setting without having to drive downtown or everybody go to a meeting, even if you're in the meeting, you, you don't have to be. The data comes in from the field almost instantaneously because of the volume. Again, a lot of this is high volume data, you know, like a well log, even the even the PDF versions, it's, it's tough to get them under 10 megabytes. So the idea the data coming in from the field, the systems can handle it, it's instantaneous transmission. It is, um, the again, the rate of adoption is more to do with the infrastructure because so much of the, of the calibration, instrumentation, pretty well everything's wired up anymore. There's a sensor for everything. Just a matter of moving it around, putting it where it needs to be. And is this a situation consistent globally, or do you see this as being specific to uh, uh, some basins over others? And uh, because, after all, some of this infrastructure you refer to might not be available in, in parts of the world. Uh, it's based on location and cost. Um, uh, again, North America has that advantage, uh, whether it's the Permian Basin or the oil sands, it's, it's all wired up. So we can move this pretty uh, offshore uh, because of costs have always had to do this. You know, if, whether they had to have a, 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 a dedicated satellite uplink, uh, they probably wouldn't lend themselves to cell phones, but they certainly would have put the hardware in some time ago. Uh, I would say the, 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 the rate of adoption of cellular networks, I haven't, <clears throat> in remote places in uh, developing countries, you may still have challenges, may have challenges with the cheap stuff like cell phones and, uh, and wireless. Uh, but you're certainly, the, any, any challenges, like 
uh, pretty hard to find a spot where you can't find an uplink. <laughs> we're, we're concealed. We're not working at latitudes where you can't find a satellite. You know, we're not drilling at the North or South Pole. So of course, as you move to developed countries that closer to the equator, the chances of finding an uplink. So it would be uh, wherever they're spending a lot of money. Uh, it's the cost of the operation that really dictates the need for the data and the and the transmission of the data. So yeah, I would say I would I would think um, you know one of the advantages of being a senior citizen is I don't have to go to work in all these places anymore. I can't imagine the rest of the world isn't keeping pace. And uh, let's say you did mention offshore platforms as being uh, unique in that they've always had challenges related to backbone infrastructure for moving large volumes of data. Are there other assets in the in the broad sweep of this industry because of their age, maybe perhaps their location, uh, uh, and, and that run the risk of being left behind in this digital transformation? The, 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 or, okay. Yeah, that's the point I was making about the cost of satellite uplinks. Uh, for example, we're, we you know the remote remote well monitors now. Uh, how, how, you know, it used to be you had to have a great big old dish somewhere on location and make sure it's aligned and all there is, not, not unlike the, uh, not unlike your vehicle, the GPS in your vehicle, there's just a little tiny bump antenna that sticks out of the box. And of course, the cost of that is coming down. So if the asset's producing, it's probably worth connecting. You know, if it's shut in, it could be, but if it's operating and you're counting money, if you've got gas or oil flowing through it, uh, which has commercial value, uh, if you've got partners in that production, they want to know. So if it's uh, if it's flowing, it's uh, it's uh, it's probably linked in, or could be, probably communicating. Yeah, the days of the the well operator putting out pulling out the Barton chart every morning, putting in a fresh one, and taking it and sending it back to town are long gone. Let's turn to the uh, the specific digital innovations that you're seeing the field services uh, industry embrace with with enthusiasm. Are, are there any? Is there a small set, for instance, that continues to reveal itself as being a part of the linchpin of the future of the industry? I would say production monitoring would be the area that uh, that with the cost and and, and availability. Okay, when I started out with with uh, well site electronics uh, 20 years ago, there was big issues with voltage, CSA approved, was it class one, div one, where could you put it? And everybody's all thought of that. So everything's getting smarter, cheaper, <coughs> excuse me, and more reliable. What has probably happened on the on the production side? I mean, obviously flow or production volume is uh, is, is really important. Uh, because that's the money and there's partners in the well and everybody well wants to know. And of course, a lot of that uh, joint venture accounting, as you know, is being done by blockchain now and other other tools. But the pro with the actual performance of the wellbore, uh, this is an area where I would say the technology, the data collection and transmission is ahead of the CPU, the central processing unit, in the sense that the, the challenge with producing assets is well, the surface equipment may be the same and the, the trucks that service it. Geologically, no two wells are really exactly the same. You know, if you drill, a, say, a pad, a 16 well pad in uh, light tide oil country or something like that, if you've got 16 wells drilled by the same company and the same rig to the same specifications in the same place, the odds are pretty good. But what we learned years ago when we started horizontal drilling is the reservoirs are pre way less homogeneous than previously thought. 
for example, in the early days of horizontal drilling in, uh, in southeast Saskatchewan in the early 90s, they would go as little as 50 meters away from the wellbore that they thought was draining in a contiguous fashion, just like they taught in a reservoir at school. They discover a high pressure pay. There's stringers and, and, and faults. And often uh, wells are different, drilled by different operators to using different techniques, different hole sizes. So, so the 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 fact is, is because of subsurface geology, which nobody ever really gets to see, there really are no two identical well bores in the world, and this and they and they all behave somewhat differently. So this is where the information overload in my view starts to break down where you can get uh, more data coming into the field uh, there's been no software written a really reliable software written that can think like an experienced production engineer <clears throat> and so this is this is where this is where the, the technology is in fact ahead of, of the industry itself and I don't know because of that uh, I don't know if and when that'll be solved on the drilling side um, you're using one machine, a drilling rig, so they've got all sorts of stuff wired up, you know, the bits and stuff. You can probably do that remotely and that data will make sense. But on actual producing well bores uh, with a field that could have, even a small field, probably got, well, any more 16 wells in a pad, a field could have 5, 10, 50, 100 wells. They're all just a, just a different enough. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just a little, just different enough such that the one size fits all data collection and automation just doesn't work. So as far as I know, uh, the, the AI isn't that I yet. <laughs> it's not that, the artificial intelligence isn't quite that intelligent. So the, the uh, certainly, so what we're finding, the experienced production engineer that can look at the data and know what it means is not, is not an obsolete, it's not a dinosaur yet, you know, it's in some departments like in uh, accounting, for example, some, you know, automating the uh, payroll, automating uh, uh, things like that, field tickets and purchasing. Yeah, well, it's all repetitive, right? You know, the, you know, you can set everything up where the, the, the GST will be in the same line on every form and it really lends itself to, to true AI, whereas producing wells and producing assets are always going to be a little bit different, whether it's a little different water cut or a little different gas cut, or and on and on and on. So, so I would say that if this, if this case, in this particular case, um, this is where the the adoption of the measurement technology has outstripped the capacity of the operators to take it up. The other main area that that I'm sure that you deal with in your career every day is data integration within the asset owner. You know, you got streams of data coming in from hither and yon, and they all apply to the same asset. And so it's, it's it, you know, what I found, for example, in my, one of the careers I was in was production optimization, which is both engineering and mathematics. And, and many oil companies still, I looked at a hole in the ground as a pretty expensive asset, you know, one or two or $3 million. If that, if that asset was on surface, there's no way you wouldn't have a separate cost structure for it. You know, unit 43, if it was a truck or a frack unit, you know, you would have a separate cost center. Whereas the ability to make an individual well a cost center is still not entirely there within the industry, and it should be. So, in some ways, 
if you were to look at this globally, you know, they're worth as much as an airplane. Uh, there's no airplane in the world that isn't treated as an individual cost center in terms of maintenance, repairs, and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even from an accounting point of view, it would have an even, even its own uh, accounting file, the accumulated depreciation, blah, blah, blah. Whereas there's lots of wealth that should be, because of the investment, should be treated as a single cost center that aren't. And that hurts, you know, the, back when I was, again, in production optimization, I'm still on the fringes of that now. It's an area that always intrigued me. You can have uh, 25 wells in the field. One is eating your lunch. <laughs> you know, one's crooked and the pump goes out regularly. And unless you're there, you can't figure out which one it is. You know, the, the data doesn't come out in a way that flags it. So that's why I say uh, this is where I believe that uh, data collection technology has currently well ahead of data management or data processing technology. Not to say it will be, just saying this is one of the one of the weak spots I see. And the reason it's a service sector issue, ultimately, um, you have to understand the oil service industry is where we're we exist to help the asset owner, the EP company with their assets. And so everything we do is related to um, is related to helping them manage their assets. So yeah, we'll go out, wire the well up, or come on with you know come up with another bright idea. I mean, more data we can send you, and we're happy to look at it if you want us to. But but in the end, it's it's the asset owner is, and you I'm sure you've anybody watching this will know what I mean. If you're in the industry, you know what I mean. There's in many cases there's more stuff coming in than they know what to do with. Well, you raise a, an important observation about the maturity of this industry in, in the management of its data assets and its data resources, uh, and that the other industries appear to be significantly ahead. I mean, just using air, airplanes and aircraft yeah, yeah. as an example. Uh, how do you characterize the level of maturity of this industry in, in terms of administration of its data uh, and data assets? I don't think that other industries deal with this big a collection of diverse assets. I'm not blaming the industry, I'm blaming the assets. This is why I took the time to explain how each well is different because it's got that geology component to it. If they were all stuff you could touch and feel on surface, if you could get the, if you could get the operations manual for every well was the same. You know, oh, didn't we tell you we got a kink in the well? Oh, yeah, there's this bump in the drain hole when we got a little, you know, et cetera. This is the, this is, so I, I, I it is a challenge. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, there's the, the suggestion is made that, uh, that the industry should be adopting uh, AI and new technology more quickly. When comparisons are made, I'm not sure those making the comparison understand the degree to which these assets are different. That's that's it, you know, exactly. It's only recently with the downturn in 2014, for example, if you were to go into uh, SAG-D country and you had steam generators, there was no, the, the offshore industry got this years ago when they were building offshore platforms, all put together by the service industry, uh, various components of what we call the service industry. It was only after multiple downturns, they, they settled on a standardized design and so if you go in, if you, if when, when all sense was, uh, was burning and turning, uh, pretty well every company had to have their own design for a field separator, had to have their own design for a steam generator, even a compressor station. Uh, only recently after the 2014 downturn uh, has there been, and of course information sharing was, uh, was, was not done 
I mean, I've seen guys in the service industry um, try to introduce back what they're, and, and so that's the assets fault. And part of it is the nature of the operators themselves. Um, one, one place that I saw a lot of money spent was on, uh, on trucking dispatch. And I'll give you an example. In the long haul trucking business, there's no way you'd come back without a backhaul. Like one-way truckers don't last long, right? If you're running the load from Calgary to Vancouver, if you don't have a road coming back, you have to charge so much you're not competitive. Whereas in the oil industry, uh, you'll find there's an area where there's a bunch of activity. There's one drilling rig here and there's one drilling rig here. So there's a full truck going into one rig, an empty truck leaving another and getting the oil companies to outsource this aspect of their business. Absolutely, shared data. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's really smart people that have spent a whole bunch of money trying to build a platform, a multi-operator platform. The next step for the industry, in my view, would be possibly the way to uh, enhance uh, data sharing and automation and information management to achieve optimum efficiency is one of the things that all companies insist on is they they see to have to have their own operations departments their own drilling departments their own production departments if you will you know that they that that well there's our way and uh and so i've, I've i actually have a slide deck uh, what is an oil company and that is uh, when you know does the investor really care about the the veracity of your procurement department <laughs> or your drilling department. No, I don't care. They want to know how much oil you own. Yeah, what's it making, right? What you? What, how much money we got in here? How much free cash have you got? So it could be that this could be to go to answer your question fully. But besides the assets themselves, the behavior of the individual operators or oil companies. We call them operators in in the service industry. The behavior of the individual oil companies and their notion that they have to duplicate. Uh, this this sort of uh, logistical infrastructure could be the next barrier. Yeah, yeah, that, that if they were to share not the confidential information, which is their welfare, but the opportunity to outsource more of the logistics, which would really allow uh, the information management. I use the, you know, I use the path that, you know, the backhauls, empty backhauls and, and things like that or on a regional procurement. There are still another layer of opportunities and generally downturns like this extract the best. But yeah, there's a bit of, the, the, the industry has been a bit frothy for some time. So there is a bit of empire building within, uh, within companies. I'd say they're further ahead with this in the States than they are here. Uh, in the in the states, in the states, people like steel manufacturers have independent maintenance and outsource companies. Uh, that problem, that opportunity certainly exists in the in the in the NP industry here in Canada. Let's uh, turn the question to the the impact that the pandemic is having on the services industry. How do you see uh, the pandemic either propelling forward adoption of digital innovations or restraining the adoption of those innovations? I would say that there would be, if it costs money, they're restrained. Yeah, it's just the, the cash is so tight now. Uh, the, the, it's, it, everybody is, is sort of subturtled, you know, as well. It sort of went down to one level from uh, 2014 for the next five years. And now we've gone down to another level yet where, where I think that the, I certainly, what I see, I've, I've got some, I'm representing some new uh, methane reduction technology and I'm finding the oil companies themselves are focused way more on keeping the lights on 
then they aren't doing their job. So they're way more focused on the balance sheet than their assets. And the service industry, the same thing. They're just, they just, you know, hoping this will end. So I, I would say the need uh, for advancement and automation and efficiency has never been greater, but the available capital to execute has been lowest I can I've ever seen really. Yep, quite constrained. You touched earlier on on how you saw some jobs changing. One of those was a, a generational shift. The 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 uh, le older legacy workers whose formative years predate the environment of technology that, that we're now in have have left the industry as part of this this uh, squeezing out that's happened uh, with the uh, low commodity prices but other jobs are now changing as a, as a consequence because of the, uh, the the advancement of these technologies in the, into these companies how do you see jobs changing uh, as you kind of project forward say three five years uh, that that, uh, that the, how the jobs of the future in this industry will be fundamentally different. The field execution uh, aspect of it, you got to go where where it is. <laughs> you know, it's just not something you can automate. You can't. You know, I mean, you still got to haul a drilling rig out to the middle of nowhere. You still got to build an access road. Absolutely, you still got to put a production facility on site. Uh, you still have to lay a pipeline. Um, so they're, they're the, the, the field activity aspects, the uh, drilling rigs are about as odd. You know, I don't know if you can do much more with a drilling rig. I mean, uh, uh, wells that used to take the labor component of, um, of extracting or finding and extracting oil and gas has plummeted uh, a drilling. Uh, when I worked on the rigs uh, around the end of the last ice age, uh, drilling a 5,000 meter well used to take uh, 90 to 180 days and now it takes 10 and so they might have added one guy to each crew it might be a six-man crew instead of a five-man crew so they so the level of the amount of time it takes the level of automation in many aspects of field execution has skyrocketed and so the man hours is 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 way down uh, the capital employed is up and um, margin so so that aspect of it but certainly from the office point of view uh, the, 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 the producers or the operators have certainly bought into back office automation uh, on, on the accounting side. So there's no question that can get better. Uh, there was a time not that long ago. I mean, it's, uh, if, you, if you're in the tech business, uh, um, 10 years ago doesn't seem like long. It's an eternity. But I mean, it, it, there was a time even, even, uh, even at the beginning of the last decade when you couldn't get a field ticket signed electronically because the guy thought you'd steal his signature i mean just 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 backwards you know and so now uh so that aspect the the back end flow uh whereas the t instantaneous field ticket sign the ticket on the job you know the field tickets in all the payments are done electronically so there's been tremendous efficiency gained and labor force contraction on that side but the actual process of um driving a piece of equipment to the field and doing something that is, uh, that's not automatable, that's not replaceable. So the, the, that would be where most of the people worked uh, back when I was running service companies. Uh, we were, we tried to keep it sort of 80% uh, revenue generators and 20% and admin. Uh, you may squeeze that to 90, 10 now, but the, the, field, the field service side, um, the, it cannot, the, the physical aspects of it cannot be automated. Uh, tremendous progress has been made, more will be made uh, time is money, 
And so there is a tremendous amount of mechanical innovation on new systems and devices that would uh, do the same job faster, you know, less labor, less rig time, et cetera. And that will continue forever. But, uh, but the service industry is, uh, is, is, is every time we had a, I was still running a fairly big company. We had a thousand employees during the uh, 08, 09 downturn. Our cash went, we went from here to zero in 90 days. Our cash flow went to zero. And that's, uh, so we had to let, uh, it was terrible, 300 people go just to keep the lights on. It was short-lived, frankly, we hired some of them back. But what that event did was show us we could generate the same revenue and higher higher margins with materially less people and we automated everything at the time absolutely we were we were we automated our field tickets we've automated our finance reports we you know we uh we actually when we sold the company the people came up from from the states and they looked at what we had done with with uh, technology with our it department and accounting and i could tell you the next day what our revenue was yesterday and uh the, by the time, after two years of implementation, we got to the point where the month-end statements were within single-digit percentiles accurate. So the ability to, yeah, this way, this is 10 years ago. So the ability to run your ship tighter by embracing the latest in in um, in uh, data management technology for for accounting and operations practices, I the, the industry would still be behind there. I would say small the, the smaller guys. Whereas the big guys are all there, but the the smaller certainly when I was with MNP uh, was their in-house oil field services league where we were an accounting, uh, consulting and tax company. We had four thousand clients in the in the Western Canadian sedimentary basins a few years ago, and I would travel around visiting these people, and there was just tons of opportunity for for these guys to become way more competitive by spending a little bit of money internally on on uh, on systems and knowledge and get it back five times a year thereafter so there's still opportunities and i'm sure everybody's looking under every rock right now that's what tough times do for you yeah it's never waste a crisis i think is what the what the message here is uh and, and we hear that know, from everybody. So take that to um, take that take that forward uh, david thank you very much for uh joining me on energy dialogues today it's my favorite subject uh, i hope it was interesting thanks for the call uh, this has been uh, Adipec Energy Dialogues. Uh, tune in again in a week's time for another episode. And thanks for joining today.